Thanks, Pastor Shannon. So great to hear about all the stuff that's happening with our kids and our youth and young adults. And uh, I went to camp too when I was a kid and I went when I was a, a teenager as well. And it really is a shaping moment. So I give props to the parents who trust us with your children for a week. And I assure you that it is really, it's really a life impacting experience and it's good for your kids. So that's awesome. Uh, this is the moment when if you have a smartphone or your tablet, you want to open the Evangel app. And on there are the notes and stuff that we're going to follow along with today. And as you do that, I just also want to let you know or remind you in case you haven't, in case you're not aware of it. We announce it at the end of every service, but sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle. And so I just want you to know now that on Sunday mornings, you know, almost everything we do is together. It's corporate. We worship together. We look at God's word together. We do all of that. But, but of course, there are moments, there are some of us individuals that have individual moments where we just really need to find God and we need prayer and we need somebody to pray with us. And I just want you to know that nearly every Sunday morning, as soon as the service is over, there are people at each of these stations right here in the sanctuary ministry team stations and they're, they're assigned by us and they are there just waiting for you. And if you would ever like someone to pray with you or just want to chat with somebody about your faith or you want to know what it is to, to be a follower of Jesus, you just go talk to one of them at the end of any Sunday morning and and uh, they would be happy to connect with you. So we're, um, we've been doing this series, and we started it a few weeks ago, and it's lasting a few more weeks. I haven't decided yet how long it's going. But uh, we've been calling it Restoring My Soul and exploring this idea of Sabbath, of taking Sabbath in a crazy, busy world. And um, we've, we, we've kind of said at the beginning of it that Sabbath, taking Sabbath, taking rest, is one command of God that we tend to ignore. It's, it's one that, and we actually take pride in ignoring it. We go on about how busy we are. I got so much to do. Oh, I can't possibly take a rest, you know, because I'm just doing stuff. God's got, and all of this. And we actually ignore God's command in the middle of a crazy, busy world and then wonder why we're not okay. And we started off by saying that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me, all of you who are weary. How many of you have ever been weary? How many of you are weary right now? There we go. Or carrying heavy burdens. How many go, yep, I know what that's like. Okay. So Jesus was talking to you. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And we go, okay. And so we're going through this series kind of saying, you know, let's not go at it from an angle of saying, well, we're going to add one more command to our to-do list, one more imposition, one more thing that we have to do as followers of Jesus. But what if instead the idea of Sabbath and having a Sabbath rhythm of life in our faith, what if it's a gift from God to you? What if it's something that your heavenly father is offering to you and offering to me because he knows how much we need it and because he's the one that created us and knows that we function best if we have, you know, rest and rhythms of rest in our life. Maybe we could learn if we actually incorporated just Sabbath rhythms of life into our own life, maybe we would actually discover that God can can do the same thing with time 
as we talk about that he can do with, with money, right? We give in the offering. We give our finances to God. We submit those to God, and we often pray, God, would you take what's given and would you take what's left and make them both stretch further than makes sense? And we trust that when we submit our finances to God, God can work well with what's left. What if we discovered he could do the same with time? Maybe, maybe, maybe we don't have to live a crazy, busy life. Maybe, maybe there's another way. So we're exploring Sabbath and this idea of restoring our souls, and we're doing it right here in this service, in our gatherings on Sunday morning, because we don't want to impose on you extra time that you're supposed to do in your own. But hopefully, and some of you are starting to tell me the stories, and and I would love to hear the stories, but hopefully you're taking some of the things that we're trying on Sunday mornings, and you're taking them home and finding a moment here or a moment there where you can incorporate that in, and you're starting to live out some Sabbath rhythms of life in your own Monday to Saturday, not just on Sunday morning. So just to kind of review, we started off through our series by saying Sabbath is a sign. Uh, it's, it's a gift, and it's a sign of who God is, that God is God, and we are not. And so asking ourselves, what is it that's driving me in this crazy, busy life? Because it's not God that's calling us to be crazy busy. So what is it that's driving us? What is it that pushes us? And asking God to show us and give us insight into that so that we can maybe make some adjustments. And then uh, we prayed through, we took time one Sunday morning and we prayed through Psalm 139, search me, O God know my heart today. And we took some time to do that. And then we talked last week about that it's, you can't really um, trust this idea of Sabbath and of being able to take a rest unless you have a solid framework in your mind of God is sovereign and God is good. And we took time last Sunday going, we need to remind ourselves what are some of the ways that God has been good. And we shared those with each other and then with the whole room. And we ended by singing the song about God's faithfulness. But we were doing that saying we have to understand that God is sovereign and God is good. Because if we don't understand that, then everything depends on us. And we can't trust that it's okay to take a break. We can't trust that it's okay to rest. And so we have to remind ourselves of who God is so that we can trust that for the future. So there's a lot of talking about um, how we see God and how we see ourselves in relation to God. So today, we're going to dive into a concept that's it's going to be a little tricky and it might bend your brain a little bit, okay? So it'll be okay. We'll unbend it by the time we get to the end. But we want to talk about the concept of time and how we see time and how we look at our time when we, when we look at it through God's eyes. And so, so in 2011, there was a movie that came out and, uh, I really liked it. If you read the reviews, most people didn't, so that tells you the taste I have in movies. But I liked it, and it was called. This movie was called In Time, and uh, it was this. It was this. Um, it had this great concept and this great idea. And so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about it. If you haven't seen it yet, there might be a bit of a spoiler in what I say. But again, it was 2011, so you know spoilers happen. But, but so in this movie called In Time, it's of course set in the future, some future time, and the, the world has evolved to a time, society has evolved to a place where there is no more money. You don't use money anymore as a currency in exchange for gifts or services. You use time. Time is the form of currency that is used. And time as currency has no grace at all. None. 
And so everyone is born, you know, the way we're born now. And, but the thing is, nobody ever ages past 25. Now, some of you right now are going, awesome, right? So nobody ages past 25. But here's the catch. When you turn 25 in this movie, you, you instantly, on the day you turn 25, a digital clock appears on your arm, a digital clock, and it starts counting down second by second, and it's how much time you have left to your life, to the second. Now, the thing is, it's changeable. The amount of time that's on your arm is changeable if you have the resources to change it because time is currency. So when you go to work, you earn more time. And if you have a great job that has really great pay, then when you put in a day of work, you might get paid with a month of time. So your life becomes longer. If you work at a, a job that pays much less or that is minimum wage or whatever, then you might earn just enough time to keep you alive until the next day. How many are starting to go, whoa? right? And then, and so when you buy groceries, you buy them with the time that you have, and you have to be careful not to go over it, because when that time runs out, that's it. Your life is over, and there's no grace. And, and a bus ride might cost you an hour, but if the price goes up and you don't know, all of a sudden it might cost two hours because of inflation. And so if you're poor in this kind of society, then you wake up in the morning with literally less hours on your arm than there are hours in the day. And you have no choice but to go to work or to beg or somehow earn or get somebody to share their time with you just to keep you alive until the next day, just to increase the time so you can live to see another day. If you're rich, you might wake up in the morning with a few hundred years of time that you have, that you can use how you want, and nothing essentially can end your life except a random act of violence. Now, can I just tell you, I know most people didn't like this movie. I found it so compelling. I found that idea so compelling, partly because, you know, on a socioeconomic uh, kind of view of the world, it meant that the cause of death was directly tied to low wages or to inflated expenses, and, and it changed society because if you had excess time, if you were rich and you had all this kind of time, then mostly you were just, you were just bored because there were people that were over 100 years old and they still looked 25, which is nice, right? But, but they've done everything. They've done everything there is to do, and, and they just, oh, there's nothing much more to do, and so they're just they're sort of putting in time, just, man, i got another 200 years to live. But, but for people who have only a little bit of time, then they only have a few hours left, then, then everything they did was based on how much time they had. So if you missed your bus, but you only have so much time left before you can get home to a family member who can share their time with you, you've got to run. And if you, don't, if you don't make it, well, then you die, right? No grace in that world. No margin, no extra seconds that you can get anywhere, no trying to make time stretch. You either have enough time to live or you don't. And I found that really, really fascinating because we kind of live like that. You know, I don't know how many of you have said this, but I guarantee that at some point this week, at least once I said, I'm out of time, or I said, I need more time, or I said, oh, I don't have enough time. 
I don't know what we're going to do. And time, as we see it, is this limited commodity that, that we cannot create more of. We only have so much, and we can't create more of it. And so that's why lots of times in movies or TV series or books, fiction books that you're going to read, you see a theme of time. Travel is often talked about as a form of entertainment because we all have this theory that if we could travel in time, somehow it's like cheating the system and you get a little bit more time and you could change almost anything, but we can't. It's a limited commodity. So we kill time, and we waste time, and we stretch time, and we put in time, and we wonder if the pastor's going to stop talking on time, and we keep time, and the drums beat time, and if we do something really efficiently and we get it done in less time than we expected we were going to do, then we say we've saved time. Except we can't take that saved time and put it in a jar and hold it off for the future for some time when we need it. No, it just keeps marching on whether we want it to or not. So, so we have two big events coming up for a couple of our, our staff team this week. In the next six days, one of our staff is going to get married. So that's exciting. And in the next six days, another of our staff in a different family, six or seven days, they're going to have new twin babies in their home, okay? And so for both of those families, how many know that time is flying and dragging at the same time? Am I describing that right, Pastor Tim? That's the one with the twins on the way, okay? How many know that they're, it's going too fast? How are we going to get ready? I don't know if we're ready. And it's just dragging like, come on, when is it coming? And it's doing both of those things at the same time. Because the reality is that none of us are actually doing anything with time itself. It's just happening and we're in it. Okay? Turn the person beside you go, it's just happening and we're in it. Now, if anybody ever should have been bothered by something like that, by this, this limited commodity of time, it should have been Jesus. If it was you or me, what would you do if you were God, born into a human body, squished into one of, one of these, one of these human bodies, and, and you already know that your job is to, is to show people who God is, help them engage with the principles of God and the kingdom of God, and then die by the time you're 33. You only have until you're 33 years old. You only have until then, and you only get one chance to teach people what God is like to show people the kingdom of God, to invite them to participate in God's way of life and God's rhythms of life. And you only have that amount of time to train enough leaders to keep it going after you're gone. Now, everything, if that was you or I, and we were under that kind of pressure, everything in our lives would be drilled toward that focus. I mean, just drilled in towards that purpose. There would be no rest there would be no vacation. There would be no leisure time. We would literally just say, you know, I can rest when I'm dead. Because this is, Jesus has literally the most important job in the world in all of time. And he only has a limited amount of time to do it. But here's the thing. Jesus really didn't seem to do much of consequence at all until he was 30 years old. 30 years old. Apparently, he was a carpenter until then, probably apprenticing under his dad in some 
backwoods village somewhere where nobody knew where he was. And some of you are going to go, well, Pastor Patty, there was that time. Yes, there was that time when he was 12 years old and his family and the other families, you know, they, and they all went to the city and the parents lost him, which is awkward. We don't talk about that a lot, right? The parents, they lost him. They left, left him in the city, didn't realize. And they're halfway home when they go, hey, didn't we have a son? And, ah, and they go back and they're looking for him and everything. And he's 12 years old. And don't they find him? in church, thank God, right? They find him in the temple, and he's in the temple, and he's just dazzling the rabbis, dazzling the religious leader with, with his incredible knowledge and wisdom. So, so there is that moment when he's 12 years old. But when his parents find him, they go, hey, Jesus, we're going home. And he goes, okay. And he went home with them. And all it says then is that he just grew in, in wisdom and in stature. He grew, you know, in wisdom and physically grew like any other boy. And there wasn't really anything that stood out about him, which is probably why those who knew him best and were the closest to him, who saw him grow up, probably had the hardest time believing that he was the Messiah because he didn't act like the Messiah until he was 30 years old. And then you only got three years to accomplish what you're supposed to do. Three years. Just look ahead to what your next three years hold. Or look back to your last three years. That goes by fast, my friends. Most undergrad university degrees take four years. Okay? I looked online, and, and maybe I don't understand it correctly, but I, I looked just to see. And it looked to me like if you want to get, if you're 16 or 17, you want to get a driver's license in Quebec, it looked to me like you, you get a learner's license for one year, and then a probationary license for two. And so then it's a total of three years, and now you can start driving unless you're Jesus. Now you're out of time, right? Which is maybe why he walked everywhere, because who has time to get a license? And so it seems to me that if anybody had a right to be frustrated by interruptions or to be stressed out by a traffic jam, or to, to be uh, uh, annoyed, you know, when, when something happens, it doesn't go the way it's supposed to, or to be not sleeping at night because you're too stressed out. If anybody had a right to be that, it was Jesus because he had important things to accomplish and only three years to do them. And yet, when we read about Jesus and we read about what he did and what he said, I mean, he just meandered all over the place. He didn't appear to have a clear plan, no mention of a flow chart or a day timer or a Google calendar, you know, uh, account. No, no mission statement that he reviewed daily when he woke up in the morning, you know, to keep him on track. And he just, he just sort of meandered around. And, uh, you know, some of you, if you've been here for this series, you know we've been talking about a book by Mark Buchanan called The Rest of God, and we have it uh, for sale at the Resource Zone. And some of you have been reading it. And, and this is how he, Mark Buchanan, sums it up in, in his book. He says, Jesus lived life with the clearest and highest purpose. Yet he veered and strayed from one interruption to the next with no apparent with no apparent plan in hand other than his single overarching one, get to Jerusalem and die. Otherwise, his days as far as we can figure were a series of zigzags and detours, apparent whims and second thoughts, interruptions and delays off-the-cuff plans, spur-of-the-moment decisions, 
leisurely meals, serendipitous rounds of storytelling, saying things like, who touched me? Or, well, you, you give them something to eat. Or, let's go over to the other side. Or, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. I mean, it's almost as if when we look at Jesus' life, it's almost as if he recognized that although he was within time, his heavenly father was not. That although he was existing within time, his father was not, and his father had unlimited amounts of time and was guiding Jesus' steps. And could you imagine if we thought that was true for us? Could you imagine if we understood that? If we understood that we exist within time, but God does not. And although time is a limited commodity for us, it is not for God. How many already have your head twisted in a little bit of a knot? Right? I mean, imagine if we understood that the God who exists outside of time has given us all the time we need to live as he has called us to. Imagine if we understood that, that the God who exists outside of time has given us all the time we need to live as he has called us to, and he is quite willing to guide our steps if we want him to, and to help us make the most of our time. And furthermore, it appears that he thinks we can do that in a way that is not crazy busy and in a way that allows for rest, for a Sabbath rhythm of life. What if, what if God could do that? Centuries before Jesus, there was a prophet named Moses, and most of us know who Moses was, and he, he wrote a prayer along those lines, and it's, it's preserved in the book of Psalms, which is, which is interesting because most of Psalms was a few hundred years after Moses, but Moses' prayer was preserved and, and contained in Psalms, and it's Psalm chapter 90, and, and here's what Moses said, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting. Say it with me. You are God. It's this, this affirmation of God's eternal being. No beginning. No end. Existing outside of time. You know what? God never turns to an angel and says, hey, do you know what time it is? God, God never asks what time it is. It's all the times simultaneously for God. He's not, God is not traveling through time like we are. Maybe, I don't know how to say it, maybe time is traveling through him. I don't know. But I do know that God created time when he created the sun and the moon, and a spinning planet, which ultimately is the way we measure time. And so God created time, but he is not bound by time. And so Moses says that for all generations, past, present, and future, God is there. And God is God, which is why his name is I 
am. All the times. I am always present and always in the present. That's a lot to take in. And then in verse 4, Moses says, you know, God, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. And it's funny because sometimes, you know, you see a lot of times in Scripture somebody asking the how long question. How long, God? It's never how long is this great time I'm in going to continue. Nobody ever asks that question. It's how long until I'm rescued or saved from this mess or you make things better. And every now and then when somebody asks the how long question, every now and then God actually answers it, you know, in that same language. So when Israel was in exile and, and there was this question of how long God gave the answer through, through Jeremiah, the answer is going to be 70 years. But more often than not, God doesn't actually answer that question. More often than not, there's a redirection back to who God is and how that God interacts with time. Because how long is really not a question in God's language. Because, you know, this, this isn't a, a formula, a scientific formula, you know, a multiplication of time. Like, okay, all right, if a thousand years in my time are one day in God's time, then, wait, I'm going to pull out my calculator. Okay, so then uh, one hour in God's time equals, divide by 24, okay, 41.6 years. Wait, are God's days 24 hours or, like, we don't know. That's not how it works. This is not a scientific formula. The point is God is not defined by time. He's not limited by time. He's outside of it. And he's also present in all of it. Never late. Never in a hurry. Never early. Just present. In the present. In all the times. And so from that space, from knowing that God is the creator of time, he is the giver of time. I mean, we look at ourselves and we start going, oh, my goodness. I mean, I, I'm, I'm hoping to live maybe 80 years or so. And that is very fleeting in the whole light of eternity. And, and so then, oh, my, what is the point of all of it? And we looked last year, last summer, if you were here, we looked at Ecclesiastes, which is another book in the Bible, where, where the writer of that just kind of took that in and went, threw up his hands and said, well, I guess it's all meaningless. Everything's meaningless. But Moses took a different tack. Moses took a different approach. And he said from that space, from understanding who God is and how God works through time and that God is the creator and God is the giver of time, Moses then submits his time to the God who is outside of time. And he says in verse 12, God teach us to number our days right that we may gain a heart of wisdom. God, would you teach us to have an accurate view of time? Would you, would you teach us to have an understanding, to have your view of time, God, so that we can be wise with it? And it's interesting because this phrase that we may gain a heart of wisdom, you know, it, in other translations, it depends on which translation of the Bible you're using because it's a little bit of a tricky phrase to translate. So some translate it we, so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Some of them translate it so that we can present to you, God, 
a heart of wisdom. It's this partnership, this back and forth, that, that God is the one who gives us time in the first place, and we then submit it back to him, and we do it with a heart of wisdom because that helps us as we understand how time works. What I gain, I give back to God when I see time the way he teaches me to, which leads to verse 17. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Hold your, hold your hands out, okay? It's going to be a symbol of what you do during your, during your days, what your tasks or your work or whatever it is that you do. Just go ahead, hold them out. You're all looking at me going, well, she's got hers out. That's fine. Hold out yours, right? This is your symbol of what, and, and Moses' prayer was, God, would you establish that what I do with my hands, that what I do with my time, the work that I do, would you give permanence to it? Would you establish with it? Would you establish it? Would you confirm it? Would you make what I do meaningful? Would you make what I do with the time that I have, even though, God, I have no control over time, even though if I think about it too long, I start going, I don't think anything that I do matters in the light of eternity. Therefore, God, I'm going to submit my time to you. And would you make what I do with the time that you've given me, would you make it meaningful? Would you make it lasting? Would you establish the work of our hands? One of you gave me a call this week. And I'm not going to out you because I don't want to tell your story. But I'm going to just tell it vaguely. And so, so we, one, of the, one of the people from Evangel called me this week, and, uh, and you had a story to tell me. And you told me that earlier, I think it was in the same day, you, you had work to do and stuff that was going on, you know, a to-do list and, and limited time to accomplish that in. And, and, and so, so just working away and trying to, this person's working away, they're trying to do all the tasks they have to do and the time they have to do it. And this inside, they're going, oh, but I really want to go outside for a walk. I just, just want to go outside walking. And no, I can't do that. I got, I got to do my work. I, and, they, and, just, and, and it wouldn't go away. And, and this, this, this desire to just go outside, to go for a walk, to set aside the work that had been planned for that time and go, I, I just need to. And finally they thought, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's God that's doing it. And so, and so they, they called me later in the day to say, this, this is what happened. I got a story for you. And, and, they, because, and I can't tell you the whole story, but can I just tell you that at the time, when they finally, when they happened to set aside their work and they happened to go outside walking in their own neighborhood, they happened to meet a person that they had never met before. And that person they happened to get chatting to. And it turned out that that person doesn't even live in that area, but was just there for that day. And as they got chatting, it became very, very clear that this was a conversation that God had ordained, and it turned into a huge God moment. Isn't that incredible? And it couldn't have been planned even if they had synced their Google calendars together perfectly. It could never have been planned. It could never have happened. Only the God who exists outside of time could have set that up. Only the God who is present in all the times, could have brought that whole thing together. And suddenly, suddenly, an hour or two that had been given by God and that was then submitted to God was favored by God. 
And it was established and it was confirmed and it became meaningful. And God's work happened in that moment because they submitted their time to God for his leading and for his guiding. Can I just tell you something? We're not short on time. We have all the time we need to live the lives that God has invited us to live. We're not short on time. We have all the time we need to live the life that God has invited us to live. And that God has told us to include a rhythm of Sabbath in our time, in our lives. That God believes we have the time to do that. So one day in seven, if you go with with the Old Testament view, a whole day to rest and not be driven by time because God is not driven by time and we are God's children. And you go, does that mean I have to sit still and be perfectly holy and, and motionless for 24 hours? No, no, not at all. You could do almost anything. Just stop working and include God. Imagine that. Sabbath is an act of faith that the God who is eternal has given us all the time we need. We have all the time we need to live the life he's called us to do. So let's, let's try it, okay? So we're creating these moments on our Sunday mornings. And, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to uh, whatever helps you focus into God, whether it's bow your head or close your eyes or hold your hands out or, or pull out your phone and start taking notes, it doesn't matter to me. And some of you are going, well, I don't know. Some of you just checked the time. And I just want you to know I'm watching the time. And if you will trust me, I will let you out on time. Okay? See what I did there? Close your eyes or focus in on God, whatever you need to do. And let's, let's just kind of try to process this a little bit. Okay? I'm going to ask you to do three things, and here's the first one. Consider your schedule over the next seven days. Consider the week that is coming. The next, what does your time look like? What do your days look like? How are they broken up? Where, where is it overfilled? Where, where might there be some flexibility? Let's just, let's just review it together, okay? So we're going to start with today as soon as we're done here because I'm going to let you out on time. What does the rest of Sunday look like for you? How are you filling that time? Just consider that. And then Monday, what does your time look like? Tuesday, how's your time broken up on Tuesday? And then look at the Wednesday that's coming. Maybe you don't know what your time looks like on Wednesday, but... What are the possibilities? And Thursday, maybe it's overfilled. And Friday, and then Saturday, 
does your time look like in the next week? And then here's the second thing we're going to do. We're going to do that whole thing again through each day of the week coming up. But as we walk through it, here's the second thing. Give yourself, offer your time to God. And invite his guidance in it. Give yourself and your time to God. Which means acknowledging that every moment that you have, is being given to you. It's just a sheer gift to you from God. He doesn't owe it to you. You don't own it. But as you go over your schedule mentally, just invite God into it to direct your path, to maybe interrupt you, to change your plan. Invite God to give meaning to what you do with your time, to establish the work of your hands, and to establish your rest, too. Invite God to manage your days and your time. Let's do that now. Let's, let's look at Sunday, today, as soon as you're done here. What does that time look like? And invite God into it. Offer it to God and invite his guidance. Monday. God, I'm offering my time to you for you to direct and give meaning to. Tuesday. Give God permission to interrupt or change your plan. God, my time is yours. Wednesday. Look at what's coming. God, would you establish the work of my hands? Thursday. God, for some of us, Thursday, we just caught our breath and because it's stressful. There's a lot going on. God, we give it to you trusting that you you have given us all the time that we need so God we, we even just speak peace into that day speak peace into that day that the God who has all the time knows God would you be at work be the Lord of our Thursday Friday we give our Friday to you, God. And we invite you to guide. And Saturday, it's a gift from you. We submit it to you, God, for your meaning and your grace. We submit our week to you, God, to guide us in our work and in our rest trusting that you are the one over time. And then here's the third thing you're going to do this morning. As you've looked ahead at your week and then we've invited God into our week, then let's go into our week being present in every moment. Just pay attention. Because God is already in that moment. He's in all the moments. So be present in those moments and pay attention 
to see where God is. And give yourself this week to the moment that you're in. And trusting that God is there. That might mean for some of us that we actually listen to the person who's talking to us. Not just waiting for them to finish talking, but actually being engaged, listening. For some of us, there may be a moment where, God, you want us to notice someone who needs our attention, and it would be really easy for us to fly by them and not look and not make eye contact and just keep moving. Help us to be fully present in whatever moment we are in to notice maybe somebody who needs attention. Or it might be a choice to to pause intentionally at different moments through the week. For some of us, we might go, I'm going to pause for one minute every hour that I'm awake just to go, God, I'm giving my time to you. Or maybe I'm going to give 10 minutes or 15 or 20 minutes in the morning or the evening, maybe three times this week. Or maybe I'm going to take a half day. But whatever it looks like, take the time to invite God into your time to be present with God in that moment and to be present with others in that moment and to be able to step outside of the rush and the drivenness and whisper in that in that moment that same prayer that Moses prayed from everlasting to everlasting you are God in this moment You are God. You are present and you are God. As you process through all of that, then as you're ready, just stand when you're ready, but you can take your time. And we will close this service together in prayer. It's a lot to take in and it's a lot to consider. It stretches our imagination to the fullest to think that you are not bound by time and to think that you've given us all the time that we need. God, would you help us to trust that this week? Would you make the work of our hands meaningful? We invite you into our time for work, for rest, for play, for love, for time with you, time with our families, time with those around us that you're going to bring across our path. God, we walk out of here knowing that the time you have given us is sacred, not just in here, but our lives. So would you help us to walk out of here carrying you and help us to do good help us to love each other and help us to reveal Jesus to a world that desperately needs him
And we trust you to do that with the time that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming today. If you want to receive prayer, there's people at the ministry stations that would be happy to pray with you. Make sure you take time to say hi to somebody. Get a coffee. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.